Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're with us. You'll notice something a little bit different. We're not outside because it's nasty hot. Too hot. We have a live audience. Yes, they are here. They are crammed in our house. And so... uh, it's very homey right now, and, but it's also very cool. So we'll take it. We'll hope that you're nice and cool, too. And uh, we're going to get things uh, started. We're continuing our series on Born to Lose but Live to Win. Uh, we're going to have some amazing worship. And before we get into that, we have a few things that we just want to give you a heads up on. First of all, we are in the planning stages of kind of reengaging uh, as a church um, as far as on, at a school. Lisa J. Mills, we have that school. And so uh, talking to them. And then also connection groups and getting us back together. So here's the plan is right now we have, Andrew, are we good on signups? As far as online, it's good to go. People can sign up for connection groups. All right, I got the nod. It's official. Go to our website, www.gotoaccesschurch.com, I think. Something like that. So Access Church, look it up. But uh, you can go there under connection groups. I think it's under ministries. Hit a ministries button and connection groups. And uh, you can sign up. Now, you'll notice that you don't know, like, where, where am I meeting? Who's the leader? Am I going to like him? Am I not going to like him? Like, I want to know all those things. It's going to be a surprise. We're not going to tell you. Uh, because right now, we're still figuring out our leadership, who can do it. Here's a model that we're thinking about. We're just thinking about it, all right? So settle down right now. Bring it down, okay? What we're thinking about is we're going to shorten it, and uh, we're going to go probably about eight weeks, and we're still slow to meet inside. It seems like for a lot of people, meeting outside is a little bit easier. It seems to be safer. At least that's what we're hearing from the experts. And so we're going to kind of go with that for now before we kind of baby steps into this meeting, you know, inside and things like that, even though we're meeting inside now, but we're forced to because of the humidity and heat. But weather-wise, that's where we're looking to maybe get things a little bit cooler, start meeting in September, October. uh, And so it's not so hot. But Lisa J. Mills, a school that we have, has a wonderful outdoor area, shading, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we're praying and thinking about that. That's the Access VIP meetings that are coming up in the next two weeks. Those of you that are VIPs, you signed up. Thank you so much. We're going to discuss that, pray about it. You're going to be a part of the decision-making process with that. But for sure, we want to start connection groups in September. We're looking to start the first week in September. I think what we're going to do is we're going to just have maybe two or three locations, kind of a northern and then a more southern location. And we're looking for homes with kind of bigger backyards and maybe even a park where when we gather, we kind of break down our church into maybe 20 to 25 people. That won't be the connection group, but kind of a smaller vibe, potluck vibe, everybody bring something, snacks, uh, drinks and things like that, kind of own the night. And then we're going to have one of our elders kind of lead the time as far as summarizing the sermon or things that God has laid on their heart as far as what we're going to do that night and then break things down from there so we can see more people but then break things down, pray together, share, uh, and just kind of get back in the groove of discussing the sermon, what God is doing, our highlights, the lowlights, frustrations, what the Bible calls to do as far as loving one another. And so uh, we'll kind of break that down and then have the ability to mingle back together. So we're going to be doing something different. So hang with us on that. Sign up. It's going to be cool. It's going to be great to see each other. Uh, some people wear masks all the time, and rightfully so. Other people don't want to wear masks. It's going to be kind of that restaurant vibe. And so and the same thing when we re-engage at church. And so since um, those leading our government right now are allowing restaurants, you can take off your mask. And since we have food and drinks, things like that, we're going to be kind of going along with that same lines as far as uh, respecting the government. But they're allowing restaurants too. And so if we have food and drinks, you can have uh, a mask. And so if you need that, you want that protection, you're good. And even as you interact with someone that doesn't have a mask, you have your mask, you're protected, you're good. And so we're going to leave it up. We're grown adults. We're going to leave it up to you uh, to make that choice since we're outside. So hopefully that makes sense. If you have questions, let me know. But we're going to kind of respect the government, treat people as grown adults to make good decisions. And we'll kind of navigate it step by step and making sure we're taking all the safety precautions we can. But our society is reengaging. We're seeing it all over. The church is a necessity in the society. Whether anyone says it's not, doesn't matter. The church is a necessity. And we're going to treat it like a necessity. Thank you very much. All right. Got the amens here. So that's our view, uh, both biblically and just practically. And so that's where we're headed towards. Okay. 
Hopefully that makes sense. Main thing is sign up to Nexus Groups September. It's all you need to remember. And then we'll let you know kind of if you're gonna be in the Northern or Southern Territory, and then we're gonna get together. We're looking forward, I can't wait uh, for this fall. Okay, now with some happy, sad news. I don't even know how to describe this. Steven, come on up. Steven. I'm not pretentious and just hold the guitar everywhere I go. I well, you kind of do. You never know when he's just going to bust out in song. So uh, it's kind of like a movie with him, like a Disney a movie. Mid-scroll. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of. Uh, Stephen has been an integral part of our church from the beginning, right? Uh, three and a half years. And so it's been neat. I've known Stephen for many years. I was his, uh, well, one of his youth pastors back in the day. And it's great to see him as a husband, uh, as a dad, and just to see him grow in his faith. And if you've been with our church for a while, this guy will share, he'll tell you anything, and he's really encouraged our church with his honesty and his journey. Um, him and his family have decided that what's kind of best for them, the next stage is to move to Idaho, which it seems like half of California is doing, that in Texas. <laughs> and so, um, so they have a great opportunity uh, you know, up there. And so today is the last day that uh, it's gonna be special, that he's gonna lead our church for now and be with us, and so um, Ashley's gonna be uh, joining him. And so, uh, we, I just wanna thank you publicly. Like, you won't know the impact till heaven as far as his voice, how he's used it, um, what Stephen does behind the scenes, his honesty, just, it's, when we talk about loss, this is a grieving time uh, for us. And so I know it's a grieving time for him and his family, you know, no doubt about it. And so, uh, but it happens in life. And so, uh, we appreciate the time that God gave you with us. And I'm excited as far as where the next church, they're going to be blessed um, with this family and with Stephen's talents and how. But here's what I love about Stephen is that um, he uses his talents, whatever God gives him. It's a good example to all of us. He uses it to bless others. Whatever talents God's given you, whether it's musical, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, he just sees whatever blessing I get, I'm going to use it to encourage others and you've encouraged our church. So uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And um the gift that we've given, uh, Ashley really was on the, the forefront of that, is we sent you straight to his new address, right? We got you a cool Bible that hopefully just reminds you of our church every time you read the Bible. And hopefully you are reading your Bible. That's kind of important. Yeah, okay, good, good. <laughs> Whew, otherwise, yeah, I didn't want you to be bummed. Like, really? Stinking Bible? That's I all I get? Bible right we didn't now. give him money. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah. But that way, every time you read, you think of us, and you regret leading us. So right. that's what we want you to have that kind of that shame as you read Is the Word of God. Guilt memo in the beginning. Oh yeah, we wrote some notes in it for you. So that, they're not biblical, but they're uh, <laughs> but just kind of uh, something that we think we encourage you. And we know you are in the Word of God, and so did we get them anything? Did you or did you do your own thing? Okay, Ashley got your own thing. So uh, so that's being sent to your new address. So I just want you to know. So I want to pray for Stephen uh, and Ashley. Go and come on up, and then. Um, and then we're going to enjoy the worship and the talents God's given both of you guys. So, would uh, yeah, Ephraim's going to come up too. Can you see everyone on camera? Can we see everybody? Oh, cool. All right, let me pray. Yeah, you sneak in here too. Jesus, we just thank you for Stephen. Um, for many of us, he's been an amazing friend um, and just a great encouragement. And but <laughs> the way you made him, God, with his humor mm-hmm. and uh, his joy, but also his his authenticity there's times where it's not fun life is hard and Stephen shares that and he just reminds us of the vulnerability that we all need uh the grace that you give um but also just how you change someone lord and just the things he's overcome through you and his perspective um he's a wise man Mm -hmm. i feel like from three and a half years ago when we first met and the wisdom he has now and the way he leads his family and serves and his kids and and is authentic with them and then god just his music um, his voice has really blessed us. It's uplifted us. And um, so, God, we're just thankful. Pray for this new endeavor. Mm-hmm. I just pray that you'd find the right church to encourage them and they would uh, encourage him and his family. Uh, God, I pray that, um, that just during this time, it would be a great season of blessing for them and new for the kids and hiking and fishing and probably shooting and all <laughs> kinds of things out there. But, God, we just pray that, um, that Stephen's legacy here would continue. We pray that you'd raise up new people to fill the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's going to leave, uh, but we believe you're going to do that. So we pray that our church will continue to move forward in the direction you called it to. So Jesus, we just thank you. Pray you bless them. Glad that you're with us today on the true Sabbath. Saturday is the true. So we're a little bit godlier today. Woo-hoo! Yeah, all the old school Christians like no Sunday. I'm like mm. Saturday's the real Sabbath. So um, yeah. So again, you're going to hear all kinds of noises. We have 
kids in the other room, we do have a children's ministry, VeggieTales, and then our dog Bailey is the children's ministry leader, so <laughs> she's keeping them entertained and in charge there. Um, so we're glad that, that you're with us uh, today. Uh, one of the toughest questions, and also the question you get most often, especially if you're a parent, does anybody know? Why? Why? Well, I didn't even hear a Why? And she, my, that was my wife. She didn't hear the sermon. So, yeah. Why? Why? Why can't I have that? Why are you taking that away? Right? And, and we get so frustrated with little kids, but as we grow up, all we do is transfer that to God. Why did you allow that, right? Why do I have to go, or why did I have to go through this abuse? Why did I get divorced? Why am I jobless? Why did I get robbed and they took that out of my car? Why did that friend betray me? Why am I going through this abandonment? Why am I physically sick? Why am I in mental anguish? Why do I have emotional instability? It can go on and on and on. And whether we do it uh, consciously or subconsciously, right? And we hear that even if you watch any movie, you, you hear that in our culture, even people don't follow God. Why would he allow this to happen or why did he do it? Those are really the two things, right? Why do you allow it to happen and why you do it? Today, that's what we're talking about. Born to lose, live to win. There's this reality that everybody has to go through. We're going to go through loss. If you've been following us the last few weeks, we've been talking about really kind of how we handle different loss, right? From grieving to God expects us to, to lose ourselves in order to rise again in him. And so today we're going to kind of go through, because I was thinking about this, like we've talked about the what, we haven't talked about the why. And so I just want to walk us through. So hopefully you have your Bibles, um, open up on the apps we're going to be doing. Um, you'll notice the last few weeks we've been doing a lot of scripture. I've been doing a lot of scripture reading. I really want the word of God and the heart of God to teach us, not just me kind of telling stories and explaining things. I, I want to move you into the word of God as we're going through seasons of loss. And now some of us too are kind of like, Brian, this is a little bit of a downer series. Like I'm not going through a lot of loss. Like this is, but what we're going to find is that some things you might not be going through, but you will go through at some point. And so hopefully this prepares us. And for others of us, this comforts us because we are in the midst of it. Everything I'm talking about, you're like, yes, I feel that and I'm seeing that. There's really the, there's, there's two answers I give uh, a lot of times to people. And, and remember, when you give answers, when people are going through loss, there's times where people just want you to lis listen and it's not a time to answer. But also what we got to be careful of is we're a culture that we like to express ourselves, but we don't want to listen. I, mean, I don't know if you noticed that, right? When people talk about a conversation, really what they're talking about is a monologue, not a dialogue. Conversations, I want to get everything out and I want you to shut up. Well, that really doesn't work as far as really to have good relationships or to assume that we need to always speak in monologue because we're the wise ones and whatever I feel, that dominates. Or whatever, you'll notice the term, whatever my, my truth is. There's no such thing as my truth. You can have a perspective, but there's a truth, and then there's my perspective. So I want to make sure as a church we understand that, because we could bring that into the church. However, we've been indoctrinated, whether just growing up, or maybe we went away to school, and there's these things like, well, that's just not true. It's not how the real world works. And it's not how God created the world to work. And also, if we treat others that way, we treat God that way. So when we go through loss, God, I want to have a conversation with you, but I want you to shut up. And I don't want to know your perspective. I don't want to know your truth. Because God sets truth, and we just have a monologue with God. And that's where, rather than sharing honestly with God and then listening, we get bitter and we just lash out. And you, you've seen, either in our lives or you've seen people do that, and they lash out, but they never want to listen to the answers God has. First thing that I would say to this is, why do we lose in life? Well, the first point is this. We just don't always know why. We don't always know why. Uh, that's where until we see God face to face and if he wants to fully explain or maybe he doesn't, but we're not going to understand why. And here's what's important is sometimes when there's mystery, that's when we find out, do you trust that person or do you have a distrust, right? A little kid, when a parent says, you can't eat that candy now, or you're going to go out for Halloween, but you need to stay with someone. They don't, they don't, right? Little kids don't understand that there's bad people out there, nor should they in the sense as far as there's an innocence, you don't want them to lose too early. But as a parent, you got to make sure it's like you, you can't be a little kid walking around the neighborhood at night, right? But they don't understand. It's like, no, everybody's happy and good, and everybody I meet, every stranger's nice. So as a parent, and they don't understand the why, but you find out, are you going to listen because my parent's good, or do I have a distrust, so I'm not going to listen to them? 
And so what mystery does is mystery reveals, do you really have a faith in God? Or is it more that you believe in a God, but you're the smarter one? So mystery tests our faith. Where does this mystery come from? Well, Deuteronomy 29, 29, and sometimes I use this with people, and I know it frustrates you, but I'm, it's the Bible, so I'm going to quote it. But it says this, um, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. This is God speaking to the Israelites. Again, they've wandered the desert for 40 years, and they're about to go to the promised land. And they're probably wondering, like, why did we just wander for 40? And remember, the wandering was about the size of Riverside County. Riverside County. 40 years. They just wandered back and forth. Why are we doing this? This God, remember, he, he split the sea so they could leave the Egyptians, right? He did all these miracles. Why are we walking in circles? I don't know if you ever felt that with God. Why am I going in circles financially? Why am I going in circles relationally? Why am I going in circles spiritually? And so it made no sense to them. Now, God was, there's reasons why. But he didn't reveal those reasons at the time. Now, we have the Bible, so we're like, well, we know why, but they didn't. But do you trust as he takes you into the promised land that even though you've been wandering those next steps and God doesn't always maybe make sense to you, you can still trust him? The secret things belong to God. That's hard for us because we think I should know all things. God, you should fully explain yourself. And if you're struggling in your faith, um, you're going to continue to struggle if you feel like God has to fully explain himself to you and is accountable to explain himself to you. You also don't understand the relationship of he's God and you're not. So you're always going to struggle and you're going to find yourself on fire for God one year. The next year you're not. You're on fire for God then when things go well and then when things don't go well. And so some of us are like, oh, yeah, I've been in that pattern. Probably because we get stuck here. But notice he says that mystery belongs to him, but things revealed are for us to obey. And here's what I find is many times we don't want to obey God and the things that he reveals to us. But we want to know the mystery so that we could follow the mystery. And God's like, forget that. Just it's hard enough. All the things God's revealed. Hey, learn to submit and be humble. Hey, love people. Hey, actually forgive people that hurt you. Hey, be generous with your finances. Be generous with your time. Hey, uh, model Jesus to your kids. Don't be a hypocrite. Like, things revealed, that's hard enough. Stop seeking the mystery. Okay? So that's one answer that when we go through loss, why sometimes, and be, be careful of someone that feels like they have an answer for anything, any Christian, and that they can explain all things to you. Be careful whether you hear them on the internet or they're in a church, and hopefully they're not in our church, where they feel like, no, God reveals all mysteries and actually, I can reveal all mysteries and explain why God does. That's, that's a dangerous thing. God is God. He's eternal. He's omniscient. He knows all things. And there's an, there's an infinity to him, not only in his age, but in his creativity and his knowledge that we will never achieve. So though we're called to be like Christ, we're not God. We see this as far as with the end times. When this whole pandemic went down, right? What's crazy about whenever there's like major things happening in the world, that's when all the people that know the end times, they bubble up. They come out of, you know, and they write books. And, and I know even people from our church like, oh, my God, there's signs and all that kind of stuff. Like there's never been a war before. Or this, this is the first pandemic that's ever, like we don't know our history. It's like there's actually been worse pandemic. Okay? Not minimizing this, but explaining it, right? The end times, when did they start? When Jesus went back. And he said, I'll come back. So we've been in the end times, right? So... When people say, oh, this makes sense and he's coming back soon, my problem with that is what do you do with the passages that say he's going to come like a thief in the night that nobody knows, and when Jesus says, I don't even know. Now you're telling me you know more than Jesus? Probably stop listening to that person and reading their books. Enough on that mystery. Let's get to the good part, though, because there are some things. Number two is the main reasons for loss is so that through loss is where God can truly guide us and change us, where God can guide us and change us. He uses loss, whether he allows it or he does it, either or, because in pain is when he can truly guide us and change us, and that's his goal, where he can guide us and change us. What do you mean by guide us? Well, God has to guide us because we live in a fallen world. 
So sometimes we go through losses because it's the consequences of sin. It's just the consequences. What Adam and Eve did, and again, I don't want to have any other name in heaven than Adam and Eve because all of us are going to be like looking at them like, why? <laughs> Dude, why? Seriously, fruit. There's like thousands of other trees and a snake. Like you didn't get like when a talking snake, like probably shouldn't listen to a talk. I don't know. I just, maybe that's just me, but I have a lot of questions for Adam and Eve. But um, let's go to um, Genesis 3, 8 through 19. We're going to look at Genesis 3, 8 through 19. We having some fun over there. <laughs> this is when it started, and I and, and, and I want to remind us of this because. Well, I'll go through it. I don't want to overexplain this passage, not yet. At least I will later. Genesis three, we see the consequences of the reality of the world we live in, and why we need Jesus. Both at the same time. I'm going to walk us through this. Genesis three. Okay, this is after, uh, this is after uh, Adam and Eve have been created. Uh, they're walking around nude, no problems, no issues, all is good. There's no immorality with that. They can do whatever they want. They can, he says, you know, kind of multiply, be cool. We're in relationship. God's walking with them. It's this, this intimate, cool thing, but there's no sin. There's no awkwardness. There's no just, it's all good. Pure love, goodness, intimacy, compatibility, all that kind of stuff's going on. And... Um, and then Adam and Eve blow it, right? And they don't, tr and how do they blow it? It wasn't listening to a snake. It was not believing God. Where we all blow it is we think of like drinking, drugs, you know, doing bad things. Here's where all that starts. I don't believe God mm -hmm. in my mind and my heart, and then it leads to all these behaviors. Mm -hmm. That was the original sin, and it's still sin for us today. I don't believe God can come through on my finances. I don't believe God can repair this marriage. I don't believe God can heal me here. I don't believe God as far as, you know, whatever someone else says versus what he says, and that makes more sense. I just don't, so I give someone else's opinion greater credence than I give God's word, right? And so what, we don't believe them. They messed up, we messed up. So here's the after effects. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees, which shows us that in our sin, we do stupid things. We hide from God, but we can't hide from God. But we still do that today, right? We stop reading our Bible, then I won't go to church. Like God's like, where are you, right? <laughs> he knows exactly where you're at. Why hide? He already sees you. Then the Lord God called out to them, where are you? Marco, Polo, they're doing that, right? <laughs> he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. This is Adam. I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? The Lord of God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? Have you noticed that God will always ask you rhetorical questions? He already knows the answer. <laughs> and here's why he's asking you a rhetorical question, because do you know the answer? He knows the answer, but you do not. Let the Holy Spirit ask you tough questions, not because God doesn't know, but you need to know. Mm -hmm. And so then the man replied, <laughs> as men do, it was the woman you gave me. <laughs> right? So when our kids blame someone else, they see that it's the same thing as us, and we blame our boss, and we blame circumstances, and we blame society, and we blame our parents, and we blame the grandparents, and we blame education, and then we blame, we do that all the time. The Lord God then asked the woman, what have you done? Well, then the serpent, so now it's the snake's fault. They keep laying blame on someone else. That's why I ate it. Look at the consequences. The Lord God said to the serpent, and this is to Satan, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly. And he's not saying this as far as snakes are cursed. He's speaking to Satan. And so it's illustrated through this snake. You will be groveling in the dust as long as you live. What he's basically is condemning Satan is you are so evil and there's no repentance in your heart. Satan right now is being condemned to hell. We can't miss that. And Revelation actually addresses that. What we can't forget about God, and this is really important for us, is God wears many hats like many of us. And that's the illustration as far as he's a father. He's a savior. He's the king of the universe, though. He's also a judge. The Bible talks about how he's a judge. And what we want is we want an unrighteous judge who judges others on their best day and doesn't judge us on our worst day. That's why when people say, I'll make it to heaven because my sins aren't that bad because we all see our sins as, that's not that, that sin over there, they're horrible, right? <laughs> so what, what we want is a judge who plays favorites. And the Bible says God plays no favorites. Mm -hmm. 
The standard is you're completely innocent, and if you've done anything in your heart, mind, soul, or actions, which we all have, right? Romans 5, all fall short of the glory of God. To get to be with God forever, you have to be sinless. This is why we need Jesus. And where people are like, well, I'm a pretty good person, but pretty good people end up in the same place with really bad, horrible people. And the same thing with heaven. When a really bad, horrible person repents, it's by the blood, not their own righteousness. The song that we just sang, and it's by his righteousness that he gives to us, we make it to heaven. So heaven's going to be the same in that sense as hell, as far as the types of people. The only difference is one's covered by the blood and realize they need Jesus, and one, whether good or really bad, they're like, no, I can do it on my own. And God says, that's fine. I'm going to judge you on your own then. So he's judging Satan here, and he says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And now he's giving actually reference to Jesus, because he says, He will strike your head, and uh, you will strike his heel. And that's a reference to actually Jesus. There's other passages. I'm not going to go into it, but other Old Testament passages that reference Jesus. So basically what he's saying is, Jesus is going to come and crush you, and there's no more forgiveness for you. Opportunity, and Satan doesn't want it. Satan's being judged. That's different than how he treats human beings. Notice that. Satan is judged, condemned, right there, done. Look at how he treats people. This shows God's grace already. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. Can I get an amen to that from the ladies? <laughs> and in your pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now here's the interesting passages because some of us have grown up in churches are like, well, this justifies men being the leader of the home. and Do whatever I say. See, God said, you know, I'm here to rule over you. Well, actually, it is what he says, but it's a consequence of sin. Part of the consequence of sin is, is actually this, is God now is actually going to assign men. And remember, it was the man who didn't show any leadership. It was the man who showed weakness. It was the man who said, her. There's no leadership qualities right now that are showing really like, like the men have really stepped up. And he said, in your weakness, I'm going to call you to leadership but you're going to lead like Jesus until heaven when all are equal and come under Christ Jesus. It's a very weird and bizarre thing here, but it's, this is done out of the sin and the consequences. And this is why marriage, there's battles. There's battles for control. There's battle for power. There's battle for these things. Part of that's our sin. So when marriage is like, why am I going through a rough season? And if you've been married longer than seven minutes in a marriage, right? And I know some of you right now, some of you are like, you've been married a year or less. And you're like, no, Brian, it's amazing. Like, just we love each other and we sing together and the birds come in, you know, and they just, they sing with us and, and she's my love. And I, I know, just get over a year, right? And so, but here's what we do is the world says, well, quit when it gets rough. And what the Bible says is you push through, it gets greener on the other side. There's a beauty there. You have to push through the sin and the power and the control and the issues. But why do we go through that? It's the consequences of sin and our sin nature. So all marriages will go through a rough patch. It's getting Christ Jesus in there because what does he do? He restores and heals even marriages. And so that's the consequence for the woman is there's going to be pain now, but not condemnation. Satan was condemned. The woman wasn't. There's going to be grace there. But there's consequences, not condemnation. When we sin, there's consequences, but God does not condemn you. He wants to save you. That's important. Because many of us feel condemned, and that's when we run away in shame, and we want to hide from God. And then we get in all these behaviors then and that are just the outpouring of that. And then to justify our sin, we have to make God out to be bad so we don't feel so bad. Well, he's a mean God, and he's this, and well, he's not, but it makes me feel better about myself. And to the man, he said, so you listened to your wife and ate from <laughs> the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and though you eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, you will have no food until you eat, until you return to the ground from which you were made. For from dust, uh, from, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Life's going to be a struggle for men. There's work. It's hard. You go through good economic times and bad economic times. Back then they were farming. We don't necessarily farm today. But that struggle, why is work so hard? Why do we, consequences of sin? Does that make sense? And so we see that this gets shown quickly in the next chapter. The f it's so crazy about the Bible is within the first four chapters, you have deception, you have an unbelief in God, and then their first kids, Cain kills Abel. 
the consequences of sin within the next generation, brothers are murdering each other. You see the fight, you see the struggle, you see the... And I wonder if Adam and Eve are like, why, Cain, why would you... Your brother, you're the first two, like... And we told you these stories. It's not like they didn't tell them the stories of God, and that's like God wasn't around, but there's something in us. The consequences of their rebellion gets passed down the next generation, and we would see that that's why today we still kill, we covet, we dominate, we argue, we fight, we divide. We want to be in power. We want to be God. We want to be listened to, and I want to shut you up, and then we loot, and we right? And it goes, whether it goes into our society, what we're seeing today, but here's the thing, as much as we condemn the looters and the rioters, I'm amazed what we do in our four walls, and we're just as vicious with the people we love. And we loot their souls, and we riot against them, and we say words we shouldn't say. So be careful how you judge the world when in our own homes, we don't put masks on and do it. We do it to each other, the very people we're supposed to love. Just be careful. All fall short of the glory of God. This is why we need Jesus. This is why Jesus came as far as I condemn Satan, but not you. You have to have the blood of Jesus. You have to have forgiveness. If you feel like you're running from God right now, if you feel like you don't see God, if you feel like you're losing so much, and maybe the loss, you've done it to yourself, I want to encourage you with this. You're born to lose just like all of us, but to live to win is you need Christ. You need Christ. And this is why he's important for every single person they lost through their rebellion intimacy integrity and longevity they wouldn't be eternal they would die they lost intimacy as far as they clothed themselves and god actually clothed them but they lost integrity and those are things that we still lose today right we lose intimacy i don't want to share i don't want someone to know my sins they might judge me I feel bad. You know, I want to share something with my spouse. Oh, no, they'll be mad at me if they know I did that with my client, right? We lose intimacy, shame and guilt. We lose integrity, right? All of us say things we, do, we shouldn't do. We worship here, then we go out in the car and maybe in anger do something. We're like, I'm a Christian. I've got the Christian bumper sticker, but we still lose it, right? So we lose integrity, but we lose longevity. And the, the world, right, they're trying to eat their blueberries and do yoga and try to live forever, but they don't understand that it's through Jesus Christ. It's not through yoga. Like, I just won't. So you add six months to your life. You're still going to die like all of us. I just go to heaven six months earlier than you. You know what I mean? It's like, so through Christ, we get longevity. Through Christ, we get integrity. That's what the Bible, the Bible teaches us integrity. And then we also learn intimacy. That's why we want to be a church that represents intimacy, integrity, and longevity. Second Corinthians 5 sums this up well before I go on to the next point. Second Corinthians 5, write that down. 2 Corinthians 5 makes sense in the context of what I'm saying. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, uh, the new creation um, has come. The old is gone and the new has come. I'm not reading this correctly. All right, let me start all over again. Jeez. 2 Corinthians, well, I'm trying to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, but I'm butchering it. There we go. This was a song for those of you old-time Christians, but we won't sing it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're a Christian... The new creation has come, the old has gone. What's the old? One that lacks intimacy, integrity, and longevity. That's, the, that's one. The, the new is here, which means you have intimacy, integrity, and longevity through Christ Jesus because you've been forgiven and you're being renewed in the spirit. All this is from who? God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we represent God with intimacy, integrity, and longevity. Not count uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to the world through us. We employ on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's a redemption of what we lost in Genesis. That's why Jesus came. You wonder why did Jesus come? It's to reconcile us to him, to bring back intimacy integrity, and longevity. So one of the reasons why we have loss in life is just because of the consequences of sin. Evil done to us, we do evil to ourselves. And, and the Bible says you have to live within that, trusting God that he's going to restore you, renew you, and protect you through the midst of all the evil and the things that are going on. But we can't stop it. And here's what the crazy thing, if you think about it, this tells us about the character of God. 
And parents, this is really important too, because sometimes we parent in order to control kids, not to set them free. We parent in order to protect them from everything rather than giving them to God. Mm-hmm. How does God parent us? He gives us a lot of freedom, a lot of choice. Right? He gives us a lot of grace, but he also gives us the ability to mess up. Because here's the thing. God is a God of love, and you don't know if someone loves you or God if you control them. Because they might follow you in behavior, but they'll hate you in their heart. I only know your heart, and I only know your love if I give you freedom. That's when I know if you love me or if you love God. And God is the one of love. So, so someone's like, why does God allow evil things to happen? Because he's a God of freedom. In his character, he's a God of freedom, not a God. Here's the thing. God is in control, but he doesn't seek to control. Does that make sense? He's completely in control, but he doesn't seek control. That's why God is so humble. He could absolutely protect us, manipulate us, not allow you. He doesn't do it. And some of us as parents, we need to realize to be like God is, let the kids mess up because they actually didn't experience grace. Sometimes we raise our kids like they never experienced God's grace or we, they never experienced our grace. But also, maybe they'll surprise us and show us a love for God that we didn't realize that maybe we don't have because in freedom we see their love for God. Okay, quick parenting thing, we're off that. All right, the second thing is this. Loss is the key way that God changes us. And the biblical word is sanctification. I just didn't want to use it. Sanctification. If you've heard that word, all it means is God changing you. Pain and loss is the key way God changes us. And we can't get away from that. I know we're like, I'd rather be educated. Just tell me about, nope, nope. The key way to change for all of us is through pain and loss. How many of us have experienced incredible pain and that's when we learn the most profound things in life? And here's the thing. Many of us, are like, why didn't I learn that before? Because you weren't in that much pain before. Right? right? But yet, we, don't, we learn through that, and that's where God uses that, but we don't want God to give us pain and loss, but he's like, that's a key way for me to change you. Here's the crazy thing. Many of us don't want it. Many of us avoid loss, and that's why we don't become like Christ, even though we like him. But we never become like... The key thing God wants us to do is, is, is this is really important. God doesn't want to just walk with you. He wants to change you. And if you don't get that, you'll get frustrated when God brings loss into your life. But you'll also cease to become more like Christ, which means you're not becoming exactly what he's trying to do in you, right? It's the number one people change, right? And so I change my eating when I experience these painful physical issues, right? That's when people really change their eating. I change my... My behavior when I go relationship to relationship and I can't hold dating or marriage. And I'm married three times, four times. And that's when I see people really like, I need to change myself. They always blame others until they've been on the third marriage. And it's like, maybe you should look at yourself. Maybe, there, maybe there's someone that's common, called the common denominator. <laughs> but again, again, I have people at church like, it's interesting when things are going well and the sermon's like, eh, blah, blah, that sucks. You know, blah, blah, they say all these kind of things. But then in pain, I could give the lamest sermon, which I do about every other time, right? And it's amazing to them. And I'm like, that was stupid. That was just dumb. Like, even while I was speaking, I was like, You're, you sound like an idiot while I'm talking, right? And they're just like, oh, they just, well, what is it? It's not a great sermon. They're in such pain. They've had so much loss that any word from God and of God is just water to the soul. And those of us that have no loss, you better make me laugh or cry or the entertainment better go up because I don't have any loss. I'm not in pain. And that's actually harder for them to learn and to change. I'm going to read a few passages that illustrate this before we wrap up here. Let's just absorb in the word of God here because, again, sometimes God does bring loss into our life. Sometimes we're like, oh, that was of Satan. And I think God's like, no, don't, don't give him credit. I'm the one that did that. Don't, Satan gets enough credit for things, but don't give him credit for that. And God's like, nope, I did it. And here's why. Three passages. You can write this down if you want to read it right now. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Philippians 3, 7 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. I'm going to read these. Just let the word of God really guide us through this right now. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace 
in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our what? Sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You can only have the character of God if you're willing to suffer like God. But we're in a culture that says, I'd rather medicate and avoid than enter into suffering and let it teach me. So we never, the church doesn't look like Jesus. So Brian, change the program, change the location so we look more like Jesus. Now we've got to change our heart and learn to suffer. That when there's loss there, I'm actually becoming more like God rather than a culture that says, no, consume more, and we never look like Christ. So when I lose, I glory in that. And I don't glory in the loss saying, yeah, I'm glad I got that loss, but I glory in what God's going to do with that loss. That You know what? Even though I lost that person, lost that job, I lost my health, whatever it might be, I have opportunity to be not just knowing Jesus, but to become like him, which is God's ultimate goal. I could become more like Christ in the next two weeks. It says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. What? Suffering, God's love is poured into our hearts. We suffer, God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I would argue that in our loss and pain is when we experience God's love the most. And when we avoid it, we avoid really experiencing the love of God. Many of us want to be blessed by God, and I want to encourage you with this. Blessing always comes through suffering. 22 years of marriage, babe? Are we 21, 22, 23? We're in the 20s. We're in the 20s. We're in the solid 20s. My love for Christine when it started was, I'll be very honest, highly physical attractive. So there's a, there's a physical attraction there, which for most couples, come on, we're young, right? The hormones are going. It's like, yep, I could kiss that woman a lot, right? <laughs> there's a connection as far as our ministry. That's, if the connection came out of all these blessings and what I was getting, I still get that today. But 22 years in, my love comes through our suffering and that we're together. And we've had our dark years of marriage. And I venture to say our love, if it's like a river, maybe we don't have the white water rapids that we used to have, the excitement, all that, but the excavation of what God did deep into us, that the river is deeper and actually more powerful than ever through suffering that we've suffered together and we've come out the other side and the blessing of that. And many of us, when we suffer in relationships, right, I don't like the other person, we struggle at church, we get an argument, and we cut off the suffering, and we run. And we never get to the other side of being blessed. Philippians 3, 7 through 15 says this. This is Paul. I think Paul's a great example for us. This is what Paul says. But whatever, we gain, what, what, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So he's saying all my education, he just the, the verses before this, whatever I have through education, his position, he was in a position of huge power as a Pharisee. He had a, lot of con he had a lot of power and control, people that looked up to him. He says, whatever I had educationally, financially, the dude was loaded because he's a Pharisee. So people gave money to him. He said all that kind of stuff, all the things of the world. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. So he says, that's a loss. I'd rather lose all that so I can know Jesus for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. How do I gain Christ? I consider the things of the world garbage. I consider whatever the world wants to give me, power, sensuality and the sexuality of the world, the looks of the world. I mean, just go on the news feed. What do you see on all, you know, from even like Fox and Yahoo, even the conservative site? It's all, it's all these physical things and look at what we can give you, all these things you need for your life to make you. And he says, all that's a loss so I can know Christ. He goes, that I, may, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That was Paul's goal. Why did Paul, why was he okay with so much loss? He lost time with family. He never got married in order to, for the gospel. 
He traveled, never sought marriage, right? Why did he lose so much money? He got beat up. He got put in prison. He lost so much of his life. He lost so much of his, I mean, just the, the emotional torment of that. The guy probably aged double because of all the pressure. Why would he go through all that? Because he considers knowing Christ and living like Christ more of a gain than being healthy, looking good, having the money, having the wife, two and a half cars, three and a half kids, four and a half dogs, the two acres, the this, all those things that we, he goes, no, I'd rather lose it all so that I can gain Christ because if I have it all, there's no room for Christ. I lost my place. Oh, verse 10. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering. That's knowing God. Knowing God isn't knowing Bible verses. Who's a godly person? They know the sufferings of Jesus and they know the blessings of Jesus and they become like Jesus. You can memorize Bible verses and be nothing like Jesus. That's called a Pharisee. They did a great job. And Jesus says, you're a whitewashed tomb and your father's the devil. So if you Spout out verses to me, it means nothing as far as, are you like Christ? The devil knows the Bible, but the devil is nothing like Jesus. That's what we're called to be as Christians, that when we lose, we become more like Christ. And it says, somehow then attaining the resurrection of the dead, obtaining all this, I have not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of which Christ took hold of me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to, to have taken hold of it. As far as he goes, I don't have everything together, but this, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. Forget what I've lost. Not forgetting like I don't remember, but forget it as far as that's not, whatever I lose, as long as I have Jesus, I have everything. As long as I'm becoming more like Jesus, then I have everything. Whatever I've lost in marriages, through divorces, I've lost kids, I've lost jobs, I've lost health, I've lost whatever it is, I'm okay if I'm becoming more like Christ, because everything is Jesus. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Paul says this. My grace is sufficient for you, God said to me, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Paul delighted in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, that's where this passage comes, all the tattoos that we have, right? <laughs> for when I am weak, then I am strong. And the issue for the church today is we don't want to lose and we don't want to be weak. And we wonder why maybe we don't look like Jesus. The church ha doesn't have the power of Christ, the character of Christ. Why the world is not drawn to the church. Maybe we should stop looking at culture and asking them to change, and the church needs to look at ourselves. And in a season of loss, we lose our freedom, yep. We have loss of health. We have loss of all kinds of things. Is there any rejoicing as far as, like, as long as I become like Christ through this time? Then I can rejoice in that. I can worship. I can sing these songs as long as I'm becoming more like Christ. Years ago... Um, I had a friend named Jason who we were both youth pastors. And um, during that time, it was interesting as far as both of us lost ministry in this sense. God was doing some things in me. I probably got into ministry in positions of influence too quickly. I came out of a party lifestyle. God was doing some things, but I had some character issues to work through. And so because of my charisma, maybe giftedness, I got promoted too quickly. I got pro promoted beyond my character. So maybe I wish I wouldn't have been promoted so quickly. At the time, I would have felt bad, but maybe losing those promotions would have been good so I could become more like Christ. Because of my lack of character, I needed to step out of ministry, and that's actually, it's a letter that went out. The church was large. The church was about three or 4,000 at that point. A letter went out to 1,000 people saying Brian was going to be dismissed from ministry. A friend of mine, Jason, just as charismatic, probably more, more talented than me, same thing. He would also need to step out of ministry. And we look at that and think, what a horrible thing. But here's what was interesting is Jason would not only leave the church, he would leave his faith. You see, ministry was a protection from him that he was paid to follow Christ, but he actually didn't give his heart to Christ. 
Maybe he did later on, but for several years after that, I knew him, and he, he went off the deep end. What he lost revealed what he lacked. That year was transformational for me, and I stayed at that church. I wanted to leave because I was embarrassed because a letter went out. And I remember a, a mentor sat with me saying, don't run away because God wants to do deep work in you. And I found the grace of a church, the parents that I knew had disappointed because their kids I ministered to, and now I wasn't there for them, and the parents that said, we love you, we support you, we're praying for you. The amount of love I felt that I never would experience, but it, it gave me a concrete faith that, you know what, even if I'm not paid by the church, I love Jesus. And if I lost everything in ministry, I'd follow Christ. I needed that. And that helped to transform the ministry. Well, when I came back into ministry, I had a new love and passion. I'm thankful in retrospect now for that loss. What the Bible says is when you lose, you don't have to do everything in retrospect. You can grieve the loss, but rejoice in becoming more like Christ. Let me pray. And let's just meditate on this as we do more worship and sing to God with hearts that grieve, but also hearts that rejoice as we become more like him. Jesus, this is a heavy message today, and I know, I know that. I knew coming into this, this was going to be a hard one. I guess here's my prayer, Jesus, is that you would do a work in us now. For some of us, we need to be okay with the mystery. We're not going to understand the why of everything. <laughs> we need to trust that, you know what? Even if I don't understand, I know that God is good. I know that God is powerful, and I know that God reconciles all things to himself. So give us a faith in the mystery, God. And my biggest prayer, honestly, as I put this sermon together, Lord, is for our church, our little Access Church. I think we have some work to do as far as when there's loss in relationships, there's loss in our mental and emotional state, there's loss physically. And God, I think sometimes we lose, we, we forget that we think that following you means we gain everything rather than just we become more like you. And God, I pray as a church that we wouldn't just know you and know about you, but I pray we become a church that we actually transform ourselves to be like you, not just to know you. So we worship you now. God, do your work. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Strengthen us through these words. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.